Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. It's one week since one of the worst school shootings in U.S. history left 19 children and two adults dead. And we're honored to be here doing this show as we all try to make sense of this violence. Um, and we thank you for listening. We thank everyone who's listening live on SiriusXM. Everybody who's written us on the show's Facebook page and who's listening on the app on demand, the John Fugelsang podcast. Um, it's been a very strange week and a very strange Memorial Day weekend. We have heard our right-wing friends blame fatherless households and teachers and critical race theory for the shooting that left 19 children and two adults dead. We've heard them blame doors that don't lock, rap music, godless people, COVID lockdowns, teachers. We've heard them blame not enough cops and video games and teachers, not Amber Heard yet. I, at some point, someone's going to have to blame Amber Heard for all of this. Our right-wing friends are blaming these mass shootings on everything except easy access to guns. It's too easy to say blame it on guns. I, I want to stress we are blaming it on, not on guns, on the incredibly easy access to guns. Every Republican politician running for any office should be asked, do you think Salvador Ramos should have been able to buy two AR-15s on his 18th birthday. If a journalist is not asking that question, they are not real journalists. We're not hearing about that. We're hearing about the war on wokeism. And of course, if anyone's talking about woke, you know they're fighting for people to be more comatose. Um, Ohio Senate Republican nominee J.D. Vance, he's now called for a total ban on porn. He says that porn is responsible for mass shootings and porn is responsible for abortion. He has called porn a public health crisis. Okay, I have two thoughts. Number one, um, imagine how nasty this guy's hard drive is. And, and number two, if J.D. Vance doesn't want people watching porn, he should appear in it. But most of our friends on the right are blaming wokeism, uh, woke teachers, woke curriculums, woke schools, woke mobs. Ron Johnson is blaming woke education for mass shootings in America. He said, we stopped teaching values. Now we're teaching wokeness. We're indoctrinating our children with things like CRT. Now, what does woke mean? The answer is anything shitty white people want it to mean. See, wokeness officially means alert to social injustice and inequality. It was a word that anti-racists started using briefly for about 10 minutes 
to talk about becoming more anti-racist. And then it was hijacked. Now it's the word racist used to mock people with empathy. And you got to remember this because every generation has had to deal with some word being weaponized against kindness, against caring, against actual values. Before I was born, the big thing was uh, bleeding hard liberals. Oh, my God. I heard that a lot as a kid from older people. Bleeding hard liberals. I'm like, what? Bleeding like 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 Jesus, the ble- like 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 religious iconography because they care a lot. And then when I was young, what was it? You remember uh, uh, in the 90s? Politically correct. Politically correct. Now, look, there's there's a lot of political correctness you can mock. Right. I mean, but but basically at its core, political correctness just meant, hey, let's try to use language to be less dickish to people. Does it go too far? Absolutely. I once was a young VJ on VH1. I got in trouble for calling Naomi Campbell a, a, a beautiful black supermodel. And this producer upgraded me for calling her upra- up, upgraded me for calling her black, said you should call her African-American. A- and I said she 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 she's British. So, look, I, I get it. But again, political correctness was just about being kind, using more sensitive language to not be cruel to people in the teens. What was it? Social justice warrior. Oh, my God. I got that one all the time. And I'm like, social justice? You mean like Jesus? Like Martin Luther King? Like Gandhi? Like everyone that's ever given of themselves and sacrificed for the greater good? That's a bad thing now? Now in the 20s, it's woke, you stupid woke liberals. I mean, every generation of selfish mean people who pretend to be Christian find a new way to smear empathy to smear kindness. They also had virtue signaling. Remember virtue signaling? That was virtue signaling? Now, how about just being virtue? Oh, remember when Jesus did his virtue signaling on the mount? You're you're virtue shitting on. I mean, wokeism was Jesus's whole shtick, wasn't it? I mean, looking out for the least of us, looking out for the poor, looking out for the disabled, looking out for the despised. Jesus didn't judge. Jesus doesn't condemn whether you believe in the story as literal fact or mythology or divine what have you. Jesus is the most woke character in the whole book. But again, why are they talking about wokeism? To not talk about how easy it is for anyone to get their hands on a gun. What's happened in this week since the second worst school shooting? Well, Texas authorities dealing with the aftermath of uh, only begun to provide updates in English. The school was 80% Spanish-speaking, but they're only giving updates in English, making the many Spanish speakers in the largely Latino community feel excluded. And folks, that bit of meanness is as good as it gets. You know, the gun shop where this 18-year-old was able to buy his AR-15s, they let him buy them on a payment plan. Yeah, they let him have a plan to give installments. So not only can a homicidal 18-year-old buy AR-15s, he doesn't even have to have money to buy them. He could just walk out with a promise. We've heard of the survivors who've made these desperate, whispering pleas for help in the 911 calls during the, during the rampage. A lot of them played dead. To avoid getting his attention, 11-year-old Mia Cirillo smeared the blood of his dead friend to pretend to be dead. (sighs) This left 19 students and two teachers dead. And (laughs) the rest of the world is looking at us saying, America, what the hell? 
Today, Joe Biden met with New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. They briefly mentioned this new American pastime, A1. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The United States is, uh, you know, System. There's a there's an expression by an Irish poet says, "Too long a suffering makes a stone of the heart." Well, there's an awful lot of suffering. We've been uh, I've I've been to more mass shooting aftermaths than I think any president of American history, unfortunately. And it's uh, it's just so much of it is much of it is preventable, and the devastation is is, is amazing. Joe Rogan came out and said, this country has a mental health problem disguised as a gun problem. <laughs> no, dude, this country has a mental health problem disguised as a podcast. I mean, there's the proof, right? Sure, yeah, mental health problem. All those other countries with no mass shootings, because it's harder to get AR-15s over there, have zero mental health problems. You know, you know we kept hearing from local news reports that the shooter was able to enter the classroom where he killed all of his victims through a door that was left propped open by a school teacher. That narrative pervaded all weekend. One of the teachers was to blame for this. The right wing kept saying, oh, no, woke teacher left the school door propped open. Wasn't the gun, wasn't easy access, wasn't this kid could get these things. Machines designed to kill lots of humans really fast. Now, according to the San Antonio Express News, uh, the teacher actually closed the door after she was informed an active shooter was on the loose. The teacher has still been identified, but the teacher called 911 to report an accident near the school involving a black truck, which, of course, was the truck that belonged to the 18-year-old gunman. The teacher propped open the door around the time the truck was crashed and called 911, but the door was not left propped open. And sources familiar with the investigation said security video confirms the teacher removed the rock holding the door open and closed it. They're doing anything to avoid talking about their goddamned entertainment. It's not their God-given rights, folks. It's their goddamned entertainment. That's it. You don't need an AR-15 as civilians. You don't need one. If you need an AR-15 for hunting, you suck at hunting. The Texas authorities admitted late Friday. We didn't have a live show Friday night, but they admitted as many as 19 police officers were in the school hallway for more than an hour without acting because they thought it was over. Here's more of Prime Minister Adern today, representing a nation that mobilized to actually do something about violent mass deaths after it happened there. But while visiting America, she chose to observe local custom, which is thoughts and prayers. And that's it. We, we are in an incredibly difficult international environment. 
but also uh, domestically it is extraordinarily challenging uh, as well. And can I bring the sincere condolences of the people of Aotearoa New Zealand for what you have experienced in uh, Texas and in New York and it's been devastating to see the impact on those communities. Our uh, experience, of course, in this regard is our own, but if there is anything that we can share that would be of any value, we are here to share it. And God bless her for remembering Buffalo two weeks ago when 10 African-Americans were shot dead by another 18-year-old who was easily able to get weapons of war. The Uvalde Police Department and their independent school district, police force, are, by the way, no longer cooperating with the Texas Department of Public Safety's investigation into the massacre. Uh, The police chief and a spokesperson for the independent school district didn't respond to requests for interviews. But according to sources, after the disastrous press conference on Friday, where the director of the DPS admitted that delayed police entry into the classroom was the wrong decision and was contrary to protocol. Well, now they're not talking to anyone anymore. I mean, a mom was able to drive there. They handcuffed her. She got out of the handcuffs. She jumped a fence. She went to the school, walked out her two kids while 19 cops waited outside a classroom. And they want to blame wokeism. They want to blame critical race theory. The NRA convention happened this weekend. (sighs) Do you hear about this one? Donald Trump read the names of the children. And of course, they were all Latino. So he grotesquely mispronounced many of them. And at the end, he did a little dance little dance at the end. It's, it's, it's interesting when I'm so glad we're on radio that we can't show you the visual. But Trump did his little shimmy dance on stage. Here's Jim Acosta over the weekend at the NRA convention. He asked an NRA board member, Judge Philip Journey, why should an 18-year-old be allowed to have an AR-15? Give a good listen, because this is actually an example of a journalist doing journalism. With these mass shootings, it keeps, coming back to the, uh, it keeps coming back to the AR-15 and similar models. Why do people need an AR-15 anyway? You know, it's just a semi-automatic rifle. I mean, you know, you if you answer. want to be prejudiced about the way it looks. But uh, I was aware what? of what happened in the 94 uh, semi-automatic firearms ban. And there were rifles of similar function that just didn't look as ugly. They weren't black guns like a Mini-14, Ruger Mini-14. And, of course, the Ruger Mini-14 was appropriate and the AR-15 was not if it had Can't a bayonet the question. or a vertical but, rear grip. So they designed I, around I do it. want to ask you about the assault weapons ban, but, you know, on the AR-15, how, how is it that an 18-year-old can buy an AR-15-style rifle and have 1,600 rounds of ammo with That's him like we saw question. in Uvalde? Well, it's, he did not have any prior convictions. He didn't have any prior issues that would have kept him from purchasing one. It's my understanding from the news that he uh, purchased it through a firearms dealer. He passed the background check because exactly. he didn't have any prior convictions. Right. But should an 18-year-old have an AR-15? That's how he bought it. Should an, a- should an 18-year-old have an AR-15? What's he going to do with it? I don't it? know. Should an 18-year-old hunting? have one in the Army? Should they have military, they have military training in the Army. This 18-year-old in Uvalde did not have military training. He turned 18 and he went out and bought an AR-15. And the fact is that these kinds of issues are far more complicated than whether we remove he something from the public. can't answer the question. You see, it's that simple. These Thank issues you, in criminal justice. It's, it's, it's that simple. Just keep asking the question. Should, and I'm, by the way, I'm saying his name now. 
I am going to say his name. Should Salvador Ramos have been able to purchase two AR-15s on his 18th birthday? I'm saying his name because I want the right wing to own him. I want them to say the killer's names. Now, meanwhile, up north, uh, turns out Justin Trudeau is what you call a pro-life patriot and a leader. He's citing our mass shootings as justification for stricter gun control. New legislation introduced yesterday by Trudeau's Liberal Party would freeze the sale and importation of the handguns. Um, Here he is announcing his new additional gun control laws to keep Canada from looking too much like their grotesque southern neighbor. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years. And we're acting on their advice. So don't let your right wing friends call themselves pro-life anymore. It's not going to be easy, by the way. It's just a big announcement. It's, it's going to be harder for him to pass this. But previously, Canada did ban the use and sale of assault style firearms after the 2020 Nova Scotia shooting that left 22 dead and three injured. There's only about a million guns in Canada, but the number of registered handguns went up 71 percent. We're not even trying to do that. We're just trying to stop selling military-style hardware to civilians. And of course, today, Karine Jean-Pierre said Joe Biden does not support a ban on the sale of all handguns because he doesn't, and he's not confiscating anything. Look, here we are a week after the shooting, and we've seen the cops lie. We've seen the right wing lie. They're trying to cover up their own dereliction of duty, not just the cops, the entire American right wing. And by the way, today is the three-year anniversary of the mass shooting in Virginia Beach. Which one was that, Johnny? That was the one that killed 12 innocent people. Guys, since Uvalde, one week ago, there have been 18 more mass shootings in this country. Nine were killed. More than 60 people were injured in Memorial Day weekend mass shootings. There was a pregnant woman, a 17-year-old girl, and a Charleston police officer hospitalized with seven other people after a mass shooting uh, in Charleston's east side neighborhood for a Memorial Day party over the weekend. Three people were shot after a high school graduation ceremony today on the campus of Xavier University in Louisiana. One of the victims was an elderly woman. She has died. And as all this goes on, Uvalde Police Department refused to go in and save those kids' lives. And Uvalde Police Department now refuses to cooperate with the investigation. So, guys, here's the deal. There's America and there's America. Okay, there's two. You have America, the United States of America. And the divided tribe of Trumplandia, or America. <laughs> and here's the deal. What, what conservatives fail to realize as they fight for their version of America is <laughs> their country is Trump. America is Trump. 
sociopathic, lethally insecure, kind of stupid, doesn't mind mass murder, despises women, horrified of things they don't understand, shiny things confuse them, authoritarian, indifferent to rape, intellectually, morally mediocre. Oh, with a real mental health problem. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tax evasion, money laundering, education fraud, charity fraud, sexual assault. No American president has been accused of a broader range of criminal activities than the former host of Celebrity Apprentice. No American president has shown a more flagrant disregard for what we quaintly call law. And I've been so excited to talk about this next book. Greg Barak is an emeritus professor of criminology and criminal justice at Eastern Michigan University. He is the award-winning author and editor of 20 books on crime and media, violence, justice, injustice, including Gimme Shelter, A Social History of Homelessness in Contemporary America, and Theft of a Nation, Wall Street Looting and Federal Regulatory Colluding. He has now turned his focus on the former guy for the first crime-centered biography, of Donald Trump, Criminology on Trump. And it brilliantly covers how this guy was able to exploit our political systems and our social mores to rise to power and loot us. It is a great pleasure to welcome Professor Greg Barak to SiriusXM. Hello, sir. Hello. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you for writing this book. Let me start off with the obvious. Why is it so important for society to begin examining this individual through a prism of organized crime? Well, through a prism of, of organized, organizational, corporate, white collar uh, crime, uh, literally when it comes to lawlessness, uh, Trump has really checked all the boxes. We can talk criminal law, civil law, administrative law. Uh, we can talk constitutional law. Basically, he checks all the boxes. So it, it's important that we give Donald his uh, appropriate place in the history of U.S. crime, especially because he's probably the most successful outlaw and he became a president to boot. Exactly. There, there may be more morally worse actions by presidents, the Trail of Tears, enforcing slavery, the Iraq War. But in terms of just the scope, it, it makes Teapot Dome and Iran-Contra look, look tiny. I mean, 
you point out that Trump has had over 20 businesses go bankrupt. The Trump golf courses have lost more than $300 million over the last 20 years. And it doesn't seem to be a problem because it's all part of a much larger scheme. I, I want to quote you. you. You said that even before his father, Fred, died, conventional banking or lending institutions had stopped doing business with Donald and Trump had become dependent on the underground economy, money laundering and syndicated criminals for raising venture capital. There's really no way to talk about your book and Donald Trump without talking about what Robert Mueller refused to go deep on. And that's money laundering. Um, yeah, um, he, he, he didn't, he didn't go there. Um, it really wasn't his, um, his task. I mean, if he would have been led, uh, to, to money laundering, he could have gone there, but, um, actually he didn't really even get into other types of financial crimes that were more more related to the election uh, as opposed to the other. Well, let me ask you, how, how does, uh, let's say, a money laundering scheme involving New York real estate work? Because there's a lot of players involved. It is very sophisticated, but it is very glaring. This is a guy who, up until the 90s, always bragged that he was the king of debt. And that was always his handle. And then somehow after the turn of the century, he began spending cash on everything. Well, I guess we need to to back up uh, and all the way to Trump Tower uh, when he scored his first kleptocrat. Uh, in Baby Doc Duvalier from Haiti. He basically took the money from there and through a shell company, basically uh, bought uh, a piece of property in, in Trump Tower. That was when it first began. And then over time, uh, about 20% of Donald's properties have been purchased through shell companies where we don't know who the rightful owner is and we mm -hmm. don't know where their money has come from, et cetera. So about 1,500 properties of Donald, not just in New York, in Florida and elsewhere, have been purchased that way. So in that sense, that's laundered money. Um, and most of which uh, is not necessarily illegal. If a bank does it, uh, that's a problem. Like his partner in crime, uh, Deutsche Bank, you know, the world's largest money launderer. It's no reason that when Donald ran out of legitimate banks, quote unquote, to work with, he found a home with uh, Deutsche Bank. Yes. Hitler's favorite. And of course, Deutsche Bank is renowned for being um, one of the most powerful money laundering centers in all of finance. They seem to have had a very, uh, I would say, tempestuous relationship. I mean, Trump and Deutsche Bank have both sued each other in the past. Um, and of course, the Deutsche Bank whistleblower famously claimed that Vladimir Putin had bought two billion of Trump's of Trump's uh, uh, debt via Deutsche Bank. What did you uncover, Professor, in your research for this book about that relationship? I, I think I'm not sure that I've uh, discovered anything that that others 
are, are, are privy to as well. But what I have found to be most interesting is that, as, as you alluded to, they've sued and countersued each other over the years, um, and yet they've continued to do business and they have more or less settled those suits up until uh, January 6th when Deutsche Bank finally washes hands. But up to that point in time, you'd have to ask yourself, how was it that they could be suing each other? And how was it that Deutsche Bank could extend the time on the loan so it wouldn't be due? How did those things occur? And, and my thinking is both are engaged in the same type of activity, money laundering, and that they're, you know, they're sort of a witness against each other. So they continue to do business together. You know, Trump is often compared to, to mafia figures. And of course, he has a, a long history here in New York uh, of involvement with organized crime. Uh, what I love in the book is how you point out that he has a very different approach when going against someone who gets in his way. Rather than the kind of force we would expect from the mob, Trump actually uses the law itself. He was in a 20-year time span or 30-year time span involved in almost 4,000 lawsuits and investigations. How was it that he became this guy who, as you put it, was like, you say, arguably the greatest litigant of all time, continually just using and abusing the law to get his way. Um, you know, he, uh, he had, he had a fine, uh, mentor and surrogate father in, in, in Roy Cohn, Cohn. And, um, you know, the two of them, you know, worked out a way of, of never, never settling, although you sometimes have to settle when you have neither the facts nor the law. Uh, they had other rules of the game. When you lose, you don't acknowledge that you lose. You always claim victory. When you right. are sued, you always counter sue. Uh, and historically, the vast majority of Donald's suits are where he's the plaintiff rather than the, the defendant. And his record over time, you know, he's won about 300, lost about 30 or 40 and settled or we don't know how the other cases came out, right. um, which means that in Donald's uh, for perspective, they came out well because he can tell us whatever he would like to tell us about that case. My guest is Professor Greg Barak. His excellent new book is called Criminology on Trump. I, I, I was I want to get to white collar crime, but let me just commend you, Professor. I was glad you touched on his 2000 first bid for the presidency with the Reform Party, which is often forgotten. Um, he has lost he's lost the popular vote three times, and that was the first time he ever did it. It seems that after that, he realized that a third party was never going to help him get the success he wanted. And that was what led him to go after reality TV to try to build this brand even bigger. OK, sort of sort of going back in time. I mean, Donald sort of eyed eyed the uh, the White House since since the 1980s. And, you know, his first so-called bid uh, with the Reform Party, he, he didn't really even see it through. 
he actually uh, worked it out for a short period of time where he uh created a situation where he was giving 10 speeches across the country and collecting a hundred thousand dollars of speech and getting his um, planes and helicopters uh, paid for in the process. So that was his first foray into it. Then he seriously thought about it in uh, 2012 and, but that was sh- short-lived when not too many people were taking him seriously at the time. And he still had a celebrity apprentice that really was his cash cow and probably yes. his most successful venture uh, in terms of raising capital uh, based on his name and then his, uh, and his brand eventually. You know, it, it's. I, I was a bit daunted in this interview because I didn't even know how to begin talking about the, the the corruption once he took office. I mean, I've always kind of felt Donald Trump could have been impeached for violating the emoluments clause one minute into his inaugural address, and he talked about you know having having some kind of firewall between his businesses and the presidency. There was never even an illusion of that. I mean. The, the number of conflicts of interest are just staggering. Um, you know, people say about 2000 of those, uh, you know, at, at least as far as the emolument clause, he really institutionalized and routinized it to the point that thus far there was one attempted uh, suit, which was pretty much dismissed which made no sense whatsoever involving, in particular, payments and overcharges to the Trump uh, businesses for, um, you know, celebrations of his inauguration. Yes. Um, that, that, you know, so that was the first time. But in terms of, 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 of corruption, I mean, literally, it, it's, it's across the board. Uh, in terms of every uh, institution in, in, in government, um, there's been some pay to play. There's been lobbying. There's been the selling of pardons. I That's think right. that was a highlight, you know, where he was selling them at a going rate of $50,000 uh, as high as $750,000 to, you know, uh, uh, campaign organizations. Uh, I mean, all of that is interesting. What's most interesting is here's a person pardoning his co-conspirators. And like, that seems perfectly okay. Oh, really? I mean, really? I mean, that's astonishing. But, you know, this is the many things that he's done to obstruct justice or violate the uh, abuse power. I mean, we kind of knew this was the case long before he ran for office. I mean, literally, Trump University was stealing from vets. He had to pay $26 million, as you know, for education fraud after the election, but before his inauguration. And it just sort of seemed like there was no real checks and balances. The, the deals with China, with Russia, with Ukraine, all the money in the offshore accounts and, and how so many members of his cabinet just continually cashed in. This is the part where I have to bring up Jared Kushner and what we've seen with Jared since they left the Oval Office. 
Right. Well, I mean, Jared was, you know, well-connected long before um, or, or early on in, in, in his young adulthood when he took over his father's uh, real estate business at the young age of, of 23. And he, he was making those kinds of connections and relationships. And then it was his family and the Trump family that got together and they they, they pulled their pulled their resources and their connections as to the Middle East that you're referring to and Saudis and the two billion dollars uh, that he um, acquired for a startup company that he's involved in. But what's interesting is um, besides investors from Saudi Arabia and some of his uh, ventures, you also have Goldman Sachs. Correct. You know, backing his 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 ventures and you have Soros backing his ventures. That's right. So Kushner is a lot sharper than most people give him credit for. He's sharper than his father was so far, at least. Um, I, I have to ask you uh, about a potential Rico prosecution. You think you argue in the book that's the way the Justice Department has to go. Well, I, I, I'm, you know, you know why, you know, Rico was established um, to go after organizational criminals, you know, which we thought of it back in the day as syndicated and organized crimes who were criminals who were running rackets that were mostly illegitimate. Um, but when they created those. Um, those laws, there are literally dozens of them, uh, and they all apply to uh, uh, corporate uh, organizations, just as they apply to organized organizations. Um, there's absolutely no reason that you couldn't use uh, those uh, that those the Ricos, either the federal or or the state statutes, to do similar kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, it makes the burden of, of proof a little easier. Okay, that's that's what it does, um, and it's 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 an easier way to succeed, and so they don't they don't use it. You know, they you know, yeah. when I say they don't use it, the governments have not used it. You know, we don't go after financial crime. We don't go after Wall Street. We don't go after multinational corporations. We don't, you know, apply uh, RICO to these businesses. We could. I mean, they were legitimate, but they're doing illegitimate things. The organized crime groups were, you know, are doing illegitimate things, but they're also taking their money and putting it in the same kind of properties and doing the same kinds of things with their money. So it often gets mixed between the two. Um, one example where we have used RICO to go after white collar or corporate conspirators was with the, um, these, um, getting your your sons and daughters into elite schools with a racket of paying off That's people right. to take tests. So they got all of those people. They used RICO to go after the, that group of people. That was sort of a step in the right direction um, because all of these relationships are quite similar. 
We're all waiting for Merrick Garland uh, to do something. I know. Before I let you go, Professor, and I thank you for, for staying up with us, you really do believe that of all of his crimes, the most egregious was his attempts to throw out the votes of the American people and steal the election. Yeah, I mean, treason and sedition has to usurp anything else that he's done. I mean, he's done, you know, a life of crime for 50 years. But I have to say that I think on, you know, on a relative scale, that's the worst because our democracy is at stake. It's a fascinating book, and I thank you so much. Uh, Professor Greg Barak is the author. The book is Criminology on Trump, the first ever crime-centered biography of the former guy. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you, John. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's get to the phones, shall we? Jimmy, welcome. Very, thanks for waiting So uh, in Oklahoma. Thank you for your patience on hold. John, guns are not for my entertainment. They're for my protection. Good for okay. you. So, so let me ask you a question. Guns. Should Salvador Ramos have been able to buy two AR-15s on his 18th birthday? One, he was not a criminal, and yes, he should, should have. Salva- so oh. he should have been able to buy two AR-15s on his 18th birthday. You support that? Yes, I support the right for so, someone to buy... So no, the future, the fu- I'm sorry, so the future massacres, like we've had two 18-year-olds who just blew away a supermarket and a school with AR-15s, that's the price America has to pay so guys like yourself can enjoy an AR-15 whose designer never intended it to be for civilian use. But we, we have to, the rest of us in America, we have to accept that these massacres will happen here. They're not happening in any other of our capitalist allies. They're all happening here because that's the price we have to pay so civilians like yourself can own AR-15s, correct? John, let me ask you this. Wait, wait, wait. It's a simple question. We have to accept these massacres because guys like yourself want to own AR-15s, right? It's all right, yes. So the massacres will continue, and we have—now, you would agree we— have the right to try to change this because we don't like these school shootings and we think American lives matter more than civilians having the right to own an AR-15. Can you accept that that, no one's coming for your guns, no one wants to confiscate your guns? We think that American lives, the lives of children, 19 kids in Texas, matter more than the right of civilians to own AR-15s. Can you at least see that's where people are coming from? John, what do you you want to do with AR-15s? Do you want to you want to ban them all together? 
Yeah, for civilian I'll, use, I'll, I sure do. If you say so, sure. Yeah, it's a good sounds start. great. It's a start. Uh, you know, the mass shootings right. went down when we did it. And by the way, they were only made available for civilian purchase in 1989. And we didn't have mass shootings like this before 1989. Not like this. So, yeah, I, I care about American life. I'm pro-life and I'm a patriot. And I care about Americans more than I care about that form of entertainment. I'm not against handguns. I'm not even against concealed carry. I grew up in the South with a grandma had a shotgun by the door. I'm not anti-gun. I'm not talking about confiscation. I don't want them sold. I want them to stop selling them. If you already own one, you got it. The government can't come take it. I just want to point out real quick, John, that that shotgun by the door was strictly for weddings. <laughs> Very funny. We had some of those, too. <laughs> come on. Come on, Jimmy. I mean, is your right to own an AR-15 more important than the lives of those 19 children? I mean, your party kills 600,000 babies. No, 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 no. You're, changing, you're dodging. You're dodging. Come on now, man. You're, hey, 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 hey. Whoa. You're dodging. I know you're a tough guy with guns. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. Don't run away from the question. Do, does your right to own an AR-15 matter more than those 19 children? Yeah, it does. Oh, it does. Okay. Well, at least you're honest about it, man. So here's my question. Should Salvador Ramos have been able to buy a tactical nuclear weapon? They're not sold for civilian use. But should he have been able to buy it? Let's lift the ban, right? He should be able to own a tactical nuke, right? Crips and Bloods, gangs in L.A. and Chicago, they should be able to own tactical nukes, right? Now you're going way off the No, 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 no. I'm talking about the right to bear arms. Chris, let me get a question. I want to see if this man can answer the question. Should the Crips and Bloods, should every gang in Chicago be allowed to own tactical nuclear weapons? No. Well, so you support nuclear, so you support you know, limitations could, on you support limitations on civilian right to bear arms. We have this in common. Oh my goodness. No, not not like that. I don't. What about white phosphorus? Yeah. Should Crips and Bloods be allowed to own white phosphorus? Sure. Grenade yeah, launchers. Let, 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 Should gang members be allowed to own bazookas? Should the rappers you don't like be allowed to own bazookas? You see where I'm going with this. You accept some limitation on civilian right to bear arms. And I don't no. want people you love to be killed by an AR-15 that civilians have no business owning. You can tackle a lot of gunmen when they reload after 10 rounds. Sure, I, I guess. Yeah, but... If the government comes to kill you... I don't agree with anyone If the government comes for you, how is an AR-15 going to protect you against their drones? Come on. Come on, it's entertainment. It's not entertainment for my own protection from people. Show like you. me one guy, Oopsie, one civilian. Show me. I will tell you the names of hundreds of Americans. And again, you you don't need to care about them, Jimmy. You're under no obligation to give a rat's ass about American suffering. But tell me the name of one American who has used an AR-15 to stop a crime. Just one. Just one. I don't know of one. Because you don't but care. It it's what you want. Point, when it comes to the day, you're, you're okay. You so it's what you want. The lives of children don't matter. The lives of children don't matter because you want to own an AR-15. You admit it. It's okay. At least you admit it. The lives of children do matter. No, they not to you. There's different ways to go about it. No, no, no. How? How? How could we? How? These attacks only happen in America. Thank you you for asking. Tell me how. How? How would you? How would you have prevented what happened a week ago, my friend? Okay, you put people in schools. You don't tell you don't tell everybody where they're at, but you put people in schools who have like Columbine. <laughs> Columbine had an armed guard. Columbine had an armed guard. It didn't stop it. Parkland. 
Parkland had an armed guard. There were 19 cops, 19 filthy Texas cops outside while children were being slaughtered because they were poor Latino kids. They weren't going to risk their asses for them. John, and one guy with a gun barred somebody. And the cops were terrified of it. The cops didn't have AR-15s. They were terrified. Jimmy, it's acceptable to you. Just admit it. The deaths of these children are acceptable to you. The deaths of these children are acceptable to you. Hang on. I Jimmy, love. I, can I just can I just state for the record Jimmy, that I kind of love Jimmy's. You're fighting for you're fighting for the mentally ill to have mass kill machines. That's your values. You care about mentally ill people having easy access to mass kill machines more than you care about the lives of Americans. You're not a patriot. You're not a Christian. You're not pro-life. You're selfish, but at least you have the manhood to admit it. Go ahead, Chris. Mm. I, well, I, I just I like that J- Jimmy. Jimmy, shut up. Let Chris talk. Jimmy, Jimmy, has, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy has, you're not a good person, Jimmy. Let Chris talk. Jimmy has stumbled upon, I think, a fantastic idea, which is some sort of 21 Jump Street style air marshal system That's for schools. It. Let's arm this. Let's arm the 10 year olds. But he said he's like he's like have have uh, uh, armed guards in the schools, but no one knows who they are. Like no air marshal, they are. That's great. Yeah, you know what? Let's John, let's let ar- you guys. You guys don't even like teachers. That. You guys don't even want to. But by the way, who's going to pay for this, Jimmy? Are you willing to have your taxes go up to have trained marshals in every classroom in America? Are you willing to have your taxes go up? Uh, you are. Are you willing to have your taxes go up to pay for all the babies that you're going to force to be? That's another subject. I'm not even going to go there. So, so well, uh, it's okay. For, what about mental health, Jimmy? Should we provide mental health services? Should we provide mental health services? Like, yeah. So you, you, so you believe yeah. in single payer health care? You, you want to make it free? No, 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 no. I yeah, mean, you and Bernie, come on. What? Yeah. Well, how about we take the... Free the mental health care. Hey, no, no, no. Free mental... Ha- I, I support this. This is something I believe in. Go Hold ahead. On. Let, me, let me answer your question real quick. Go ahead. How about we take the money that Joe Biden is going to use to wipe out student debt and put it towards this? That would be a better use. He's not wiping out student people, debt. He wants to wipe out $10,000 per person. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to actually help our economy. It's going to help our economy tremendously. Young people will be able to like not have this kind of debt burying them, and they can start buying houses. It's going to be good. They're going to go out and buy things and shop. Guns. Hey, listen, how do, you, how do you feel about that? Why, why wouldn't the NRA allow guns at their convention? Why wouldn't the NRA allow guns in the room where Donald Trump spoke? Why? Why? Because Trump's wife is, you know, you have lunatics. <laughs> Yeah, I know we have lunatics. Yeah, but so Donald Trump's life matters more than 19 children in Texas, right? Absolutely. Donald Trump's life matters way more than my life, your life, or any of your other listeners' lives. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) He's never going to let you kiss the tip. He's never going to let you kiss it. Never going to let you kiss the tip. My God, the homoerotic fixation these mediocre white men have on Donald Trump.